If you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 18 is where we're going to kind of look this morning. You know this story. I'm not going to read all the way through it. You can do that later in your bulletin that says Matthew 21. If you go to look Matthew 21, it's kind of a parallel, I guess. We're talking about the birth of Jesus, uh, what's happening before the birth of Jesus. Matthew 21 is the triumphal entry. Um, so kind of not quite the same thing, but I guess if you want to read that also, that works. But this morning we want to talk about the difference in the wise man and Herod and what that difference was, because I think that's something we need to look at in our lives, that you see we can learn a lot from these wise men, and we're going to learn some things about them. C.S. Lewis writes this. He says, There is one vice of which no man in the world is free, a vice which everyone in the world loathes when he sees it in someone else, and of, and of which glad hardly any people ever imagine that they are guilty of themselves. And he says, that is pride. We hate it in other people, but we very rarely see it in ourselves. In fact, if somebody tells you you're too prideful, the first thing you do is say, oh, no, I'm not. You know, you don't believe it. So in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 18, we're going to look at how this conflict between humility and pride take place in our culture, in our lives, in our world. And how it's illustrated in the lives of the wise men and also in King Herod. So let's look at it with the hope of kind of overcoming pride and maybe developing a little more humility in our life. So the first thing I want you to see is the humility of the wise men was very impressive, first thing. I want you to understand that. The humility of these men, however many were, there were, there weren't just three of them, I don't believe. That's what we've kind of chosen because it makes our nativity scenes look nice. But they were very impressive in what they did. So the first thing you outline is this. The wise men were very intelligent, yet they were still teachable. And I think this is huge for us today. We can have very intelligent people about a lot of different things, and it seems like when people get more intelligent, the harder it is to teach them anything. Why? Because they know it all. Can't tell me anything. Can't teach me anything. And we kind of had that discussion this morning. You can't teach old dogs new tricks, you know. But that's a dog that's not us. You know, I hope that this morning we can be taught new tricks. Proverbs eleven two says this. When pride comes... Then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Pride brings disgrace, but humility brings wisdom. You see, these men, these wise men, were very influential in their day. They were influential men of learning. They were influential men of wisdom and authority. They were skilled scientists. They were schooled in this idea of philosophy and also of science and medicine and astrology. I mean, they looked at stars, they studied the stars, they understood what was going on, and it's even thought that they were of the priestly order of Persia. So they were also ministers and advisors to Persian rulers. So we have to understand, yes, they were intelligent, they were very smart people, yet they were still very teachable. The second thing is this, the wise men were wealthy, yet they were still spiritually sensitive. They were very wise men. They are very uh, wealthy men. So how did the wise men know that Jesus had been born? How did they know this? I mean, the scripture, what we're reading today, doesn't come right out and say it. 
But these men were all about learning, all about studying. Not just one area, but many areas, from astrology to medicine to science to philosophy. All the things that they were trying to learn. So we need to understand that these men were all about learning. So they studied the prophecy of Daniel in the Old Testament, chapter 9, verse 25, where it says this. I believe they understood this because it says no one understand this. From the issuing of the decree to restore it and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler comes. There will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. Somebody do that math for me. Seven sevens and 62 sevens. That equals 483 years from that prophecy when you do that math. That's old math, not the new math. But the wise men must have taken this prophecy. The wise men must have done the calculations and they came to the conclusion that this was the year the Messiah's birth was going to happen. That this was a time that this birth was at hand. But there are also two other facts. And it's also this, that because they realized this, because they'd done the study and they understood that they had an unusual journey before them that they had to go on. You see, this journey involved being guided by a star. Remember, they're astrologers. They understand the stars. They see what stars are out there. And we're not exactly sure what it means. We just know the star was in the sky. That's all we really know. And it was a miracle, at least in this sense. Okay? Because remember, said they knew the stars. But this was a different star. This star was a miracle within this story. And the appearance of the star, it appeared every, in the very time of Jesus to, to guide these wise men to a faraway nation. They had to go someplace of great distance to find and follow this star. And this is huge. And this star guided them to Jerusalem. It guided them to Jerusalem where they worshipped Jesus. You see, it appeared at the very time that they were given the knowledge of this newborn king. And I don't think it's by circumstance that they studied Daniel, they did the math, they did all the things they needed to do, and they came up with this. I believe it was a God-given thing to them for this time of understanding. I think God gave them that. Yet it appeared the very time of this birth. Psalms 49.20 says this, a man who has riches without understanding is like the beast who perish. It could be monetary riches. It could be spiritual riches that we can have. In Matthew 19, 24 through 26, it says, Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is possible. With man, this is impossible, but for God, all things are possible. Now, I want you to understand this eye of the needle isn't the needle that you sew with. There is actually a gate in Jerusalem on the wall that is so small that a man has to literally get on his hands and knees to get through it. That's the eye of the needle Matthew's talking about. That for a camel to do that, it'd been done, but it was nearly impossible but think about this. You're going into Jerusalem through the eye of the needle. And you're getting on all fours. You're bowing before to go in. You see, with us, it's impossible for a camel to do it. But with God, all things are possible. 
Also look at this. The wise men took interest in a king born in another culture. Now, I think this is very interesting, especially in our day, in 2017, that the wise men took interest in a king born in another nation. What I want you to see about this is this. Christianity is about seeking truth. The truth. Remember that what Jesus said to Pilate's question? Where Pilate says, so you're a king then, Pilate said. And Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of the truth listens to me. Now, what would happen today in our culture if Jesus would have come today to the world in which we live? United States would say, there's no way I'm believing in a Savior that came from the Middle East. There's no way I'm going to believe in a Savior that's not the same color skin that I have. I'm not going to believe in this person that Asia or whatever says is this new king. But these wise men, they studied, they understood that this was the Messiah. They went on this journey to find this Messiah that was born in another nation. To me, I think that's huge. Because like I said, Christianity is about seeking truth. Those who follow Christ pursue that truth. The problem is we live in a society where our culture does not want to hear the truth. The truth about the gospel. Truth about what's right and wrong. We want to hear the truth about what I want to believe. Because what I want to believe is what I want to do. How I want to live. How I want to act. And as long as I believe it, heck with everything else. Heck with this truth. Because I'm going to live the way... I want. But you see, the wise men understood what the truth was, and they went to seek the truth. The wise men searched for truth, and what did they find? They went searching for the truth. What did they find? They found the Messiah. They truly found the truth. Also, get this the wise men actually stopped and asked for directions. Guys, that blows me away. How in the world can guys stop and ask for directions and not lose their man card? Guys are never lost. We're confused, but we're never lost. And understand, men prefer to do things by doing, not being told what to do. This is why boys generally do worse in school than girls do because guys don't want to sit still and listen they want to experiment they want to move they want to do things with stuff they want to find solutions for themselves grown men don't really give up this part of themselves very easy am i okay guys do we agree with me i know the wives do and the girls do they're saying man that is so true so again if a man is lost asking for direction is like admitting defeat Man, it's just horrible. If we have to ask for assistance, that's so humiliating. So we send our wives in to do it. Because we're not going to ask for directions. And also understand this, men want to win. Men want to emerge victorious. They want to be effective. They will soldier on alone if need be, as long as they don't have to stop and ask for directions or read the pesky instructions. You know, who would want to do that? So don't get the guys off track by engaging us in discussion, especially if you're suggesting something or a solution that is perfectly logical 
but it goes against my grain. Okay? Don't waste your time. And these guys, these wise men, actually stopped and did this. So don't be surprised, even with your logical solution, that we don't get upset for your, your solution, that we get short with you because we don't want to hear it. But then I have to look at the wise men. They were wise enough to stop and ask for directions. And you know, as much as I want to admit it, as much as I want to, to say that I want to go through life and I want to do it on my own, there's times, more often than not, that I need to stop and get the right direction. The wise men did that. The wise men knew what to do. I know. And this could be true for ladies, too. I'm just not talking about guys now. I'm talking about all of us truly need to find this direction that God is leading us in. Because I can guarantee you the world in which we live is given us all kinds of solutions, all kinds of options, all kinds of things that the world wants us to do. And God is over here saying, don't do it. Stay the path. Stay the course. Don't get off to the right. Don't get off to the left. God has laid out a plan for our lives. And so many times, we just don't do it. So many times, we just don't listen. So sometimes it's just better to suck it up. Sometimes it's just better to let the complaints roll off our back, let time pass and things will get better by themselves, or so we hope, or we can come back to the truth. We can come back looking and seeking for the truth. But I also want you to see this. The wise men worshipped the Christ child. They not only realized this was Messiah, not did they only go on this journey to go find the Christ child, but when they found him, they truly worshipped him. They had a significant purpose, these wise men did. It wasn't just to go see this cute baby. It wasn't just to bring him gifts and watch him giggle and do all those things. Their purpose was to worship this newborn king who they understood to be the king of the Jews. And I love this. 1 Chronicles 16, 29, we read it earlier. It says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. That's what these wise men did. Yes, they brought gifts. Yes, they traveled from a long distance away. They did all these things, and all those things were important. But the thing they did most important of all was to bow down and worship the Messiah, to worship this Christ child. So I want you to understand the contrast of this humility of the wise man and Herod's ego, if you will. In Matthew 2, 13 through 18, as we look at Herod's past, all those who he put to death, understand he killed children under the age of two because he was scared that this king, Jesus, was going to take his throne. In 2.7, it says, the wise men stopped by, and this is where they kind of got direction. He sent them to Bethlehem, and he says this. Remember what Herod said? I want you to go. I want you to find this baby. I want you to find this newborn. I want you to come back and report to me so he could do what? To go worship him. Is that what Herod wanted to do? No, it was a big lie. Herod wanted to do to Jesus exactly what he did to all those other children because of his ego, because he was afraid of losing his power, because he was king after all, and he knew it all. Bob Russell shares these thoughts about Herod. And I want you to understand 
that we may find one, two, three of these in our life? And you may not, I don't know. But if we do, I need us to truly go to God and ask him to forgive us and to correct these things in our life. Because number one that Bob Russell brings out about Herod is this, pride is always competitive. Now remember, guys want to win. That's our thing. We want to win like nothing else. But pride is always competitive. Herod was paranoid about the birth of a king because he was cons- not because he was concerned for his people, but he was disturbed that he may lose his power. So he was going to do everything he could to stay king. He was going to do everything he could to retain his power. He was going to commit murder to be able to do this. And he did. Pride is always competitive. Number two, pride is often deceptive. We are willing to deceive whoever, whenever, because of pride. Humility is transparent. Understand that. Humility is transparent. It admits sins. It admits weaknesses. It asks for directions. It really does in our life. Egotism is afraid to be open. Our ego will not allow us to admit mistakes. So we need to understand pride frequently wears a mask in an attempt to impress others. Herod pretended to be spiritual. Oh, you go find this child so I too can come worship. But catch the word pretend. It often pretends to be spiritual. You can have a bunch of pride in your life, and you can put this facade on, you can put this mask on. Hey, boy, I'm spiritual because I'm a, I'm a preacher, I'm a minister, I'm an elder, I'm a deacon. I've been part of the church for 50-some years. And it doesn't make any difference. You may fool people, but we don't fool God. If we really don't fool God. Herod could not stand this. And number three, pride is ultimately vindictive. Before all is said and done, pride will be vindictive. Harold, like I said, could not stand this, that someone else could possibly be king because they were calling him king of the Jews. Like I said, he murdered babies born in Bethlehem under the age of two. You don't think that's a little bit vindictive? To me, it's a little bit insane. That happens too. Pride is irrational. Pride is hateful. Pride is vindictive. Because when we have this kind of pride in our life that King Herod had, understand this, nothing else matters but self. When I am so prideful, I don't care what's going on in your life. I don't care what's happening in your life because I'm sitting in my cushy chair. I'm watching my TV, my 105-inch TV, flat screen, all that garbage. I don't care you got a little black and white TV on your phone. It's more than that. Nothing matters except self. David Rhodes says this about pride. It says, pride is the dandelion of the soul. Its roots goes deep. Only a little left behind sprouts again. Its seeds lodge in the thinnest encouraging cracks. And it flourishes in good soil. The danger of pride is that it feeds on goodness. And that is so true. That is so true. But there's one overriding lesson that we need to learn this Christmas, this Christmas season. 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6 tells us to humble ourselves before God. 
to humble ourselves, to be humble, to come before God with a humble heart, an open heart, and an open mind. So the first thing is this, humble yourselves and believe the Christmas story. I know, I know, we've heard the Christmas story since we've been children. I know it's about Mary and Joseph and an angel came upon Mary and we know this story to almost to the point where it doesn't mean anything anymore. But folks, this Christmas story that we have before us, this Christmas story that we celebrate is a story of supernatural events. It's a story that actually takes faith to believe. I mean, it takes a small amount of faith to believe that the God of the universe, that a lot of people can't hardly wrap their mind around, that could create the world in which we live. But then this God of the universe sends his one son as a baby to be born of a virgin. I mean, wrap your mind around that if you really think about it. And then all of a sudden, this baby grows to be a man and is willing to die for my sins. That's faith. Folks, understand, we don't have to commit intellectual suicide to believe these things because there is good evidence to support this story. But we do need to crucify intellectual academic pride. God doesn't care that we're smart. Does it? God doesn't care that we have academia. God doesn't care that we understand all these things. What he cares about is if we truly humble ourselves and come before God and worship him. But pause there for just a second. These wise men traveled from another nation. They traveled, stopped and got directions, and when they found this baby Jesus, they stopped and worshiped. How many traveled a long way to worship this morning? Vietersburg. Well, Ed's got his hand. I don't know where he traveled from this morning. Probably Germany or something on Facebook. <laughs> but how many truly traveled a long way? on a regular basis to worship. No, that's why we have churches all across the country. You know, we have churches almost every corner and a lot of places. So it's not the travel that keeps us from worship. What is it? Pride? Just don't feel like it? Folks, I'm telling you right now this morning, when I, I was up at 5 o'clock this morning for some stupid reason. But I got my shower and got here and made coffee, went through my sermon. I had a headache like you wouldn't believe. I finally went in my office, turned the lights off, put some Christmas music on, and I sat there for about 20 minutes wondering if it's ever going to get light outside. You know, so I had an excuse. I could have called, said, guys, I got a headache this morning. I don't feel like preaching. You know, how many of you have ever done that? I got a little bit of a headache. I'm not going to go to church this morning. I got a little bit of a headache, but I will go to the basketball game. I got a little bit of a bellyache, but I will go do this. You know, understand, these wise men traveled to worship the Savior. Hebrews eleven six says this about believing the Christmas story. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Number two. Humble yourself and worship Christ the Lord. We've got to do this. Everyone, anyone can ooh and awe over a baby. But to bow before Jesus, 
requires a crucifixion of our pride and of our ego because it takes humility to come before, truly come before Christ in worship. It takes humility to place a crown of thorns on the head of Jesus and call him Lord of our life. And you see, that's what this manger leads to. It leads to the cross where Christ died for us. Number three, humble yourself and serve other people. The story of Christmas is that Jesus Christ sacrificed himself. And when you really think about it, he sacrificed twice. He left the glories of heaven with his father to spend 30-some years on earth to die a painful death for us. And we find it hard at times to come and worship this Savior. If we worshiped him, we should be willing to give ourselves for those around us. Number three, humble yourselves and serve other people. And sometimes that does take some humbling. Because I know there's people out there that we look at and we say, really don't want to get real close to them. Because I know once I do, they're going to keep wanting more. That means more of my time. It means they don't have to give up to do all these things. So we've got to be careful, but we've got to also serve other people. Humble yourself to believe the story. Humble yourself to surrender. Humble yourself to share with those in need that the spirit of Christmas is truly Jesus Christ. Yeah, enjoy the lights, enjoy the presents, enjoy the decorations, enjoy all those things. But folks, we've got to realize that the true meaning of Christmas is the gift that God has given to us. And that is this gift right here. The gift of his word, the gift of his son, the gift that we have one day of having eternal life with him. Living in eternity in heaven. That's what we've got to understand But Jesus says this. He says, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Think about that. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will not enter it. It takes humility, folks. Wise men, wise people seek him. Really do. But are we willing to get rid of our ego? Are we willing to get rid of our pride? Are we willing to set aside those things and truly humble ourselves and come before God? 